When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Booyakasha! This is Michelangelo, a.k.a. Greg Sipes. You're listening to Ninja Turtle Power Hour. That's what's up! Welcome to the Ninja Turtle Power Hour. I'm Spencer Toon. I'm Keith McGuffey. Wow, Keith's back. And I'm Mike Templeton. Hi, everybody. Hey, what's up, Daddy-O? Oh, not a whole lot. Just changing diapers every 10 minutes. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, it was so weird not having you on last week's episode. I haven't had time to listen, but I'm hoping to get to it tonight. I we'll never see. want to be put on the spot to sing the Channel 6 theme again. That is, <laughs> that is I, will, I, I can't do it. It's it's a talent that only you possess, oh, and I and I will never do it again. So <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure our listeners will be happy to hear that as well. Um, but no, dude, welcome back. Like we totally we totally missed you last week. Well, thank you. I missed you all too. Yeah. Uh, do you have any notes about Mona Lisa's first appearance? Not really. No, oh, okay. um, I don't know if you. I don't know if you guys said what I had had texted you about. Uh, Bebop and Rocksteady conquer the universe, though. No, did we? I don't think we did. I think we oh, did. I, what did you say? The perfect. Oh, tell us what you only, said. My only thought on that was like it's the worst title for any episode ever because Bebop and Rocksteady—they don't even conquer the universe. They barely conquer an eight-year-old. I mean, yeah. that is true. They. It is conquer the universe but they they don't even do all of new york <laughs> they don't really do anyone they frankly. do like a couple <laughs> they do like a couple blocks at most yeah you know they commit a couple robberies you know that's about it yeah, yeah. Uh, least one fine. Awesome. It, it's it's what it is you know okay. I, I thought it was fun like i, I kind of was shocked that uh she's not used more because she's at least a fun kind of different character than than what we've normally gotten in the show but yeah yeah i was reading on peter's blog one time that she was actually supposed to be a turtle at one point i did just, talk like, about that though, okay yeah. yeah 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 but hey we're not talking about those episodes anymore we're talking yeah, wait, about wait, new stuff this week what are we doing this week spencer this week we're talking about issues 12 13 and 14 of teenage mutant ninja turtles volume 3 or in other words the image run or urban legends the, t- the series of so many names. <laughs> um, no titles for these issues. Yeah, still. so that's untitled, 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 and untitled. Untitled, yeah. If you can get that, th- there are no titles. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we're about halfway through, a little over halfway through the image run now. And it, I don't feel like things are picking up, but there's some interesting developments in these three issues. Yeah, I would I would definitely say that 
this thing kind of slows down during these issues. I remember when I was first getting these kind of being like, okay, what, you know, when's this going to kind of pick up again? But, yeah, well, well, I think, I think my issue is the one is like that has one of the most memorable things in this run. Yeah. Cause yeah, this no. is, cause this is something that like I'd heard about before even knowing about the image run. Like mm-hmm. I thought this was in Mirage at some point. Yeah, Raphael's side arc is really cool, really fun. I really like it. It's kind of the the Rayburn thing that you can't quite figure out what they're trying to do with it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm sure I'll get into this in anchovies, but like I thought we'd already defeated Death Watch, and here he is again. They're still tracking him down. I'm like, come on, guys. Yeah, it's, I mean, Death Watch, Death, Death Watch. Yeah, say it like that, or else it doesn't work. <laughs> all right so who's uh who's going first tonight it's me let me tell you a story the ancient one did tell me a story i think you guys would want to hear about master splinter's master hamato yoshi well let's hear it okie dokie so our issue number 12 came out in december 1997 the story is by gary carlson art by frank fosco inks by Mark Hike Heek something like that. I think Colors. it's Hike. That's how I said it. Yeah, I think it's Hike because it's got an E at the end, like a silent E, but it's like E I K E Hike. Mark, Col- if you're out there, let us know. Yeah. Colors by Adam Gazowski. Letters by Pat Brosseau. And original series editors Eric Larson. Editor for IDW Megan Brown, which also means that you know this is an Urban Legends issue. The colors were done by. Adam Gazowski by IDW later, who actually did a pretty good job. I actually like a lot of the colors in these books, which we'll get into. Anyway, our story starts with Don Leo and Mike up in Vanguard's spaceship satellite thing that orbits Earth. Vanguard explains that it's his job to protect Earth from his people's enemies. So if you remember, Vanguard is an alien and he's been sent here to protect Earth. Mikey walks in with a new love interest as he's, you know, as Vanguard is explaining this stuff to Leo. His new love interest is a sexy girl turtle that he's been smooching. He then learns that she's not a she at all, but a sort of shape-shifting artificial goo robot life form thing uh, that seems to be gaining some sort of sentience and some sort of personality of its own, which it shouldn't because it's supposed to just kind of be equipment and it is called lurch mikey is now grossed out they learn about death watch's history as a serial killer in arkansas before he was shot up into space meanwhile raf gets home in an air in the air car someone is photographing him while he's landing in it no one is home so he heads on over to casey and april's but gets his head bashed in by casey turns out casey is on guard because the mob is closing in on him and april and shadow and uh, he mistook Raph for uh, one of the mobsters. Back up in the satellite, the turtles finally confront the issue of the cyborg armor claiming that Donatello is dead. All scans actually show that he is brain dead. The turtles theorize that maybe Rayburn sucked out Don's soul or something and has it. So they need to find him to learn what he did to their brother. See if they can get him back. They go with Vanguard to where Death Watch's ship landed. That's in Arkansas, where he grew up in his hometown. 
There's loads of dead bodies everywhere, so they must be close. In New York, Raph is recovering from his concussion that Casey gave him. Uh, and Casey and April try to thank him for offing some of the guys that were watching their house. But he didn't do it, so it must have been the other ninjas. So he goes to pay the foot a visit. He thanks the council for doing him a solid. But their truce is now strained due to the war that uh, he has started with the mobsters by not having killed the mob boss and also taking back the child that the foot delivered to him. Before things can escalate, the mob bursts in and escalates things to a thousand uh, and just starts gunning down foot ninjas. They kill the council and Raph is able to just take cover. The mob is here for vengeance. To be continued. Right now in Team and T Volume 3, number 13, uh, this was originally released in February of 1998. Story by Gary Carlson, art by Frank Fosco, inks by Mark Hike, colors by Adam Gazowski, and letters by Pat Prisot. So uh, I'm cheating tonight. So shout out to Mark Pellegrini over at Team and T for uh, letting me steal his summary of this issue. Great uh, resource for Turtles Comics, Team and T Entity. All right, so in the town of Sheldon, Arkansas, the Turtles have split from Vanguard and Roxanne to widen their search for Death Watch, but so far they've only found corpses. The computer within Donatella's body becomes annoyed that they keep referring to him by the former occupant's name and ask that they accept that Donatello is gone, having been devoured by Death Watch a couple issues ago. The cyborg then projects a street map and suggests they take their search to the home of Death Watch's mother. Elsewhere in town, Roxanne and Vanguard are, are doing just as poorly. Roxanne stumbles upon a diner that looks occupied from the outside, but upon entering, she finds it's filled with nothing but corpses drained of life by Death Watch. Vanguard suggests they find the turtles. Roxanne agrees, but asks that he teleport them to his ship first to retrieve something. At the New York headquarters of the foot, the Puzzarelli mob have sealed the place off with Raph inside, and every other foot soldier is dead. Raph decides to quit playing hide-and-seek and attacks with a bow and arrow, followed by close-quarters combat. He takes the mobsters out, only to be confronted by their backup. Raph plucks up a Tommy gun from one of the fallen mooks and opens fire. As he slaughters the mobsters, Raph feels conflicting sensations of joy and guilt, as there's no honor in what he's doing. It's simply murder. Then Raph runs out of ammo. At the home of Death Watch's mother, the cyborg breaks rank from Leo and Mikey and trapezes through the front door. He finds the wheelchair bound to Mrs. Rayburn, Death Watch's mother, but uh, detects no life signs and realizes that she's already fallen victim to Death Watch. Death Watch reveals himself and attacks the cyborg. However, the cyborg is prepared and puts up a fight. Back in New York, Raph buys himself some distance with a handgun, but is quickly backed into a corner. Leaning against the wall, the turtle prepares to make his last stand when the wall suddenly gives way to a secret passage. Raph claws his way through the darkness and lights a match, only to come face to face with the shredder. Raph freaks out, but quickly realizes that the shredder is merely an empty suit of armor. Raph hits light switch and discovers the shredder's secret inner sanctum, where he forged multiple suits of armor as well as stockpiled weapons. Raph recalls all the tales of the shredder that Splinter told him as a kid, as well as the two times he helped to kill the creep. Coming up with a plot, Raph decides to see if the mobsters outside are afraid of ghosts. In Arkansas, the cyborg possessing Donatello's body 
is being perforated by Deathwatch's tentacles. Deathwatch begins to drain the cyborg of its artificial life force when Vanguard comes to the rescue, tackling the lunatic. Deathwatch is unimpressed and sinks his tentacles into Vanguard, all according to plan, as Vanguard was really the amorphous blob Lurch Incognito. Rayburn is caught in a gooey, lifeless mass long enough for the real Vanguard to strike with his neural disruptor. Rayburn vanishes in a blast, having teleported away. Vanguard suggests going after the villain while he's still injured, but Mike protests. Donnie's body has a massive hole in the middle of it, and the cyborg appears to be dying. At the foot headquarters, a pair of monsters happen across the secret door. Before they can think twice, the Shredder bursts through the entrance and rips one of the mobsters to pieces. The remaining goon drops his gun and surrenders in total fear. The Shredder proceeds to shred him anyway. To be continued. All right, which brings us to issue number 14, released in April of 1990. Oh, God, is it eight? Yeah, 1998. <laughs> I know I wrote this down somewhere. Uh, so our issue picks up, Raf, wearing the Shredder's armor, attacks the last of the mob hitmen. One begs for mercy, and Raf demands to know who ordered the attack. The thug explains that Big Tony ordered the assault, and the ninja gives the man a five-minute head start to warn the mafia boss that he's on his way to finish this war. As Raf heads out, he's surrounded by foot soldiers. One of them states that Raf has no right to wear Shredder's armor. The turtle then castigates the foot soldiers for hiding while their brothers were being killed by the mafia and tells them that they have no honor. Enraged, one soldier attacks, but Raph easily dispatches him. The mutant then orders the remaining four to commit seppuku for their actions. And as they prepare to do so, they ask Raph to lead them instead. Much to his surprise, the turtle agrees. And he and the foot soldiers head off to face Big Tony. In a park, a man is playing frisbee with his dog when it's captured by the mutated Master Splinter in his bat form. Splinter carries the poor pooch off to a skyscraper and he devours it. Back in Arkansas, our heroes spot Death Watch as he escapes in his rebuilt spaceship. Leo wants to chase the murderer, but tells the others, but the others tell him that the cyborg needs help. Leo sneers and says that the armor will heal itself and just be just fine. But the cyborg states that the wound it received is too severe and that the host body is dying. And then it tries to assimilate Mikey. Leonardo cuts the robotic link from his panicked brother as the cyborg weakly begs for help. Suddenly, the symbiote lurch approaches the cyborg and allows it to join with it, creating a new entity. The new being then tells the turtles that during their last battle, Death Watch told that Donatello was not dead. The entity's new body is then racked with pain and it flies off into the night. Vanguard teleports everyone up to his ship in an attempt to save Donnie's dying body. Raph and the foot soldier arrive at Big Tony's mansion. Raph tells the mob boss that he's decided not to kill him since both sides have lost too many men. It's time for this war to be over. Raph then tells Tony to leave Shadow and Casey alone since she is with her real family, the ones who have loved and cared for her since her birth. Big Tony reluctantly agrees to the truth and after Raph threatens to kill him and everyone else he's ever loved if they don't leave him alone. Elsewhere, Master Splinter is dreaming. Donatello contacts his sensei through the astral plane, begging his master to help him recover his senses and help the turtle's soul get back to his body. Just as Splinter begins to break through, he is awakened by a cop who hears him talking in his sleep. The mutated Master Bat 
flies off and spots Raph in the foot. Splinter remembers that the Shredder is his enemy and attacks, but then the turtle calls off his followers and removes his helmet to show that the mutated sensei that he's not the Shredder, but a turtle, which then the mutated bat Splinter remembers is the demon that appeared to him in his dream and he begins to attack. And our panel ends as Splinter plunges his trident with a loud chunk to be continued. Bum, bum, bum. That was a hell of a place to stop. Yeah. There's a lot going on these couple issues. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, second time around, anybody? Hey, uh, nice junk. All right. So, we have a new inker starting with issue 12. It was Andrew Pepoy, and now it's uh, Mark Hike. Yeah. I'm honestly curious how much of the original inking carries over into the Urban Legends version. I think quite a bit of it does because it does look different. Like, I, I actually think it works better for for what they've been going for. I mean, I'm trying to, I, some of it could be the coloring as well. It's kind of hard to just like ignore that and look straight at the, the lines sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I do think that for the more simplistic, better for black and white style that I think they were going for, I, I do think this inking works better. Uh, just looking at it, it's it's less busy. Um, and granted, like the, the last inker was working on trying to bring it down to being less busy like it was in those first mm-hmm. couple issues. But I think they're really working on making the black and white work because they had a lot of people on these books that, that didn't. And that's just speculation, but that's what it seems it's, like. It's kind of crazy how well this series takes to color, given that it was meant to be in black and white. Yeah, like we're looking at uh, original black and white page that Keith sent us and it's like it it doesn't look bad in black and white but mm-hmm. i think this i think color does this so much like such a service yeah yeah because because this takes place in the image universe and you know that's one of the things they're known for mm-hmm. yeah i i well i think that a lot of these artists and inkers and everything were used to doing art and inking things for color like color pages i don't think they ever were you know meant to make things in black and white uh you know and then they ended up doing this and it was left black and white because of that's how the original turtle comics were but i could be wrong no that sounds right Mm -hmm. just just looking at it because i guess like like we've said you know a hundred times now like it takes really really well to color like you color it and these things look way better let's see issue 12 raf says he's been working with the foot clan for three years um doesn't make a lot of sense given that he's only 18 and they killed the shredder when he was 15 but there's that for you yeah (laughs) so then um i was gonna say like this puts them they they celebrated their 18th birthday in the first issue Mm -hmm. so yeah it, it really doesn't make sense because like I think in return, return to New York, Leo says it's been three years since they killed the Shredder. Then, and they weren't eighteen then. I don't know. The, yeah, but I'm always looking for those continuity things, whether they make sense or not. So there it is. No, that, I mean that, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I do think that Urban Legends, when reading it, like especially saying that they were eighteen at the beginning of this story, kind of like regressed the characters a little bit compared to where they were at the end of Volume Two um as far as their character growth and things like that that they kind of had building and going on 
Uh, so it wouldn't surprise me if they also said, you know, things like he's been working for for three years. But also, I guess we don't know how much time has passed since the beginning of this series. It could maybe be a year by now that they've been like yeah. trying to hunt down bats and find him. Well, uh, it feels it feels like you know everything's moving so quickly because like you know how long have they been on? Because didn't didn't they in issue eleven go up to Vanguard's ship, and they're still on it in twelve? I mean, I feel like I feel like the events between issue eleven and twelve are pretty short because Raphael came back in the air car and everything from Chicago yeah. at the same time. I, I'm just trying to think of like maybe when they're trying to like get hints at where Splinter is, how much time could have passed between. And I know like that's the only time I could really think of there being time passage. Overall, we're probably just overthinking it, and they and they kind of messed up. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, like I don't I don't think they had like any real plans for like how long this was supposed to take place anyway too um but yeah like the the timeline in this like it really just isn't clear and it it could have been solved with a quick like you know two months later or something because like i feel like and i'll probably get in this anchovies more but like i feel like the turtles wouldn't let splinter be this bat form like terrorizing and killing so many people for too long yeah but i mean again, they, they i'll get into that but, but anyway um issue 13 there is a reference it says uh it looks like an um one of them when they visit this farm uh will visit rayburn's house his old house say that it looks like an alfred hitchcock movie no wonder as he grew up to be a psycho but, um, yeah. yeah, there's a couple of those because I think isn't it his house on Elm Street? Yeah, the, there, there's an Elm Street reference. Yeah. Um, I can't remember. There, there's no Jason reference. Like there kind of is when um, the who was it? Somebody what? attacked, and, and then like the computer and the cyborg is like, you know, your two friends with the hockey mask are back in New York. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. So one of them say like, I almost expect like a guy in a hockey mask to come out and, and attack us. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a Jason joke. And then the computer says <laughs> that like, why, why would someone with a hockey mask come out and attack us? Your friend Casey's back in New York. <laughs> yeah. Like we get, we get like three horror references in a row. Yeah. Which this horror issue is a horror issue on, on the death watch side. Yeah. Death watch. Because I'm sorry, I read that whole summary. I didn't once do the Death Watch voice. It's fine. You're a new dad. We didn't want to force you to do anything. Your mind, your mind's other places. Also, I don't know if you guys noticed, but in like Shredder's secret sanctum area, two of the suits are references to one of them is a reference to the 87 series suit. It's got like the purple and the, the gray and it's like the purple cape. And then the other one is like the 90 suit. It's red. And yep has the the black cumperbun thing going on uh yeah like it's it's a really cool shot of like all the different shredder armors um and like he was talking about the like the guns and stuff like the laser cannons i didn't see them but then also like i didn't really zoom out no i there's no guns or laser can laser scopes in that room it's all just like armor and ninja weapons and stuff yeah i I don't know why that was in the script but it was maybe the artist just didn't feel like drawing him maybe he felt like it threw everything off so he's like yeah forget it ninjas yeah 
Ninja stuff. I do like uh, that in that same scene, Raph says that criminals are a cowardly and superstitious lot and that he read that somewhere. That's yeah, from Batman. Then, well, we also get like a bat computer shout out too when the cyborg is talking about uh, it's right, games yeah. for itself and Mikey's listing off computers with names and he's like, yeah, and the bat computer. I'm surprised they went through all of that and they didn't land on a name for the cyborg. I was really expecting that. I know. And it's like, yeah, like we went through all three of these issues with no name for the cyborg. Well, he's just kind of the guy they don't like that, you know, they are forced to hang out with at this point, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Wouldn't be going out of my way to give that guy a nickname, you know? Well, I mean, you're not Mikey. Mikey would. I mean, maybe 2012 Mikey would. Well, yeah. Um. Yeah, that's all I really had for that issue. Man, I didn't, I didn't really see anything in fourteen that caught my eye. Yeah, me neither. Um, fourteen was pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. It's like there was too much stuff happening for them to fit in any sort of reference or anything. <laughs> yeah. But I, I mean, I don't know. I, I liked fourteen. I think the most set of all of these personally, but I think so too. Um. Yeah, I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying there is a lot going on. Oh, yeah, definitely. Issue, definitely. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk about the things that we didn't like then. Nobody likes anchovies. Issue 12 has so much exposition, and maybe I'm just a little bit bitter about it because I had to summarize it, you know? And so I was like <laughs> reading like all of this exposition about Death Watch and like everyone that I it just like really kind of bogged that first issue down and granted it's setting up everything else, but yeah. Well, there's there's like, there's like three pages of like how he became death watch and like, it doesn't really matter. No, it doesn't. All you really need to know is what we already know. Yeah. We already know all that stuff. There's like go way deep into it. And And I like, like, I forgot his name was Rayburn because it's like, they kept saying like Johnny Rayburn so often that I forgot that he was Death Watch because they didn't say Death Watch like that often. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's there's just like a couple pages of just like straight word balloons almost like quite a few actually in this whole issue where it's just so many word balloons and I don't know like so many words, so many words in a comic book. Yeah, that's like, always a good thing. Yeah, like it's yeah. in in the dialogue for the most part for all three of these issues is really bad. Like I can't stand the dialogue and how everybody talks to each other. I did am I the only one that didn't realize that Rayburn had teleported away after the last fight? No, because it it it's like it it just kind of flashes. Yeah, I mean, and I guess that's like, that's kind of code for like teleporting, but like, it's not, it's just like a flash. It's not like a, it's not like a teleporting kind of like visual cue. Yeah. I mean, but they, they thought they killed him and then they learned, oh, he actually got away. Yeah. So this time they know that he actually like teleported. So I guess he did teleport away. We just didn't quite know it then because it was supposed to be a surprise that he was still alive. I don't like it, but yeah, I'll accept I don't it. Like it. I don't like it. Either. <laughs> well, I don't want to accept it. Yeah. Um, I really, really hate how they're writing Leo. 
Oh, like, he's such he's, a jerk to such Don. a jerk to like. Yeah, I mean, he's such a jerk to everybody, and it's like that's not Leo. Yeah, he he's almost like he's not concerned that Donatello's dead. He's like more annoyed that Donatello's not still dead. You know? Yeah, like, like yeah, exactly. He's he's more annoyed that he still has to deal with this body, like pretending to be Donatello, than he is like actually trying to figure out about Donatello. Because mm-hmm. like he even has that line like when they're like, "Hey, like Donnie might still be alive." let's go try and do something about it and he's like no yeah <laughs> i don't want to and it's so like not leo and it's like for all the crap that like they give like rise leo for being like jokey like this is so not leo yeah like give me a hundred rise leos over like this kind of like pessimistic cynical jerk leo who doesn't care about his brothers yeah i feel like because this even goes this even goes back to like you know the first couple is with you know when raf gets his face burned off and leo's like uh yeah like just laughing about it yeah i do think that like there is a side of leo that still kind of exists but they like delve way too far into that side of leo in this thing because like there is a side of him that's definitely very much like I'm the boss, you know, I'm the leader kind of thing. And you can see him kind of not, you know, him clash with Raph who, you know, fights his leadership a lot. And so like, you kind of get a bit of that, that self-righteous leader attitude, but I feel like this like cranks that up to a 10, you know, like it's a, it's a slight aspect that's there with Leo, but this series, like, like I said, it's just, it's just too mean. And it's like, it's, it's not even a fun mean because he's so just, a jerk yeah thank goodness uh mike is there to be concerned that donatello has a giant hole in his chest because i don't think anyone else really cares <laughs> yeah i feel yeah because i feel like vanguard even kind of did yeah yeah i mean vanguard had to because vanguard was like hey let's get him up to my ship one thing i really didn't enjoy i this might be the next issue i forget they're all kind of blurring together to me but uh Raph gets that tommy gun and he just like no that's 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 13 and yeah i really hated that too like i i don't this goes back to body count i don't like the turtles using guns i don't like this murderous raf yeah and like like i liked it up and i i thought it was kind of cool because he's like you know he's talking to himself about how like there's no honor in this i shouldn't be doing it yada yada but then like it totally turns and he he seems like he likes it and that's where it gets me you know like yeah. Yeah. Like the, like it, it was, I, I knew it was going to change. Like I had just felt it in my bones. But like, like you said, like I, I liked the lead up where he's like, there's no honor in this. I, I don't like my hands are burning. Mm-hmm. Like he's going through it and then the, but I like it. Yeah. This is a murder that I'm doing. And it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's so melodramatic. And it's like, I just, I, not a fan of it. Yeah. Luckily, it's over quick. He turns into Shredder, which is awesome. Yes. It just and fourteen. I don't really have a whole lot for fourteen because fourteen is actually, like you said, it's a solid issue. Yeah. Um, I just don't like the dialogue between, uh, between Raph and Big Tony. Like it's it, it just it seems too casual, and I get it. Like I don't know if Raph is pretending to be Shredder or if he's like 
because he flat out says like it, he he tells other people that I'm not a Rokusaki, but he doesn't tell Big Tony that. So well, like it, it feels like he's pretending to be Shredder. Still. You mentioned that he's an imposter, but I do think he's puffing his chest out. Like he has his his I'm a leader. Uh, well, I'm I'm the new leader of the Foot Clan, and I take no no bull from anyone kind of thing going on. Uh, and that's kind of what I see in that dialogue. I actually, I actually really liked it. But <laughs> there's a new game in town. See, yeah, it's it's just yeah. I mean, it's like the your uh, your son knocked up a girl, left her, and got you know got her pregnant. And now it's like the, that whole like melodramatic speech about Casey and Shadow. I was like, I'm I'm not feeling this. Oh, I still don't understand how uh, the the head of the mob knew that Gabriel or shadow existed that's still a plot hole to me but whatever yeah i talked about that already my only thing for 14 is like what's up with lurch so wait lurch takes the cyborg right and then he like grows into a jetpack human and flies away yeah and it's got like it's got big um what is it uh It just it just reminded me of like Revenge of the Fallen, um, the Transformers movie, where like Jetfire gives Optimus Prime all of his parts to like get his jet mode or to, to like so like Optimus can fly, and then Optimus immediately like dumps it. And I don't know why it reminded me of that, but it was funny. Here's yeah. what I understand: is if the cyborg could have flown the entire time, why didn't he fly when he was falling out of the helicopter? I mean, could the cyborg have flown the entire time? Uh, I, mean, I don't know. I'm which is like a totally shape shifting being that he. Yeah, because like, what no. if this is like a xenomorph type thing where you know it takes on the abilities of the host, and since the morph can morph, like, I don't know. He's even more powerful than he ever was like, before. Because it feels like Donatello could have grown a jetpack at any point, and he never does. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not not sure. Maybe maybe it's because of the mutagen, you know, messing with. <laughs> well, I mean, he does. Oh, that's he, right. He does, yeah, because he does yeah. say that he's he's been like affected by the mutagen and done yeah. his blood. I'll I'll buy that. Okay, rescinded. Mutagen with with synthetic being, you know, he's just even more powerful than he was before. He's reached his final. Five. I don't buy it. I'm not buying it. In Harry Potter, it's always well, like a wizard did it, but in TMNT, it's always ah, just Mutagen did it. Right? I mean, that is that is very true. Uh, well, that is everything I hated about these three issues. Yeah, for me, my only thing with fourteen is I just felt like the end of the whole Death Watch arc, the whole Death Watch thing that we had going on there was pretty anticlimactic. Like just kind of like I didn't even expect the Death Watch thing to come back, and I. And I just now remembered that, like, yeah, that was a thing that they were <laughs> that it was continuing. Like it just kind of completely forgot. Flies away after a confrontation, and then the cyborg dies, but then attaches to Lurch, and it just kind of like, boom, it's gone. You know, <laughs> it, yeah. it was just a weird ending for for that arc. Um, I do have a note that I found that Death Watch will not be seen or heard from again for sixteen years. Until he shows up in the Vanguard backup stories in Savage Dragon 200, 201, and 202. Oh, so he he really got away. Yeah. No, like it's a very like anticlimactic ending. Like it's kind of like, okay, he just kind of gets in his ship and uh, blasts off. And now we're focusing on. He's blasting off again. 
<laughs> we spend too much time away from bat splinter now so we got to go uh back to that <laughs> and i mean that was the thing too is like i forgot about a bat splinter because it's been so much like well he mutated back in issue five and like i think maybe one or two issues they were in chicago trying to but they've been waylaid by so much other stuff yeah yeah well, I guess I lied. That wasn't everything we hated about these three issues. Yeah, we found a couple more things. I think that that's what this issue kind of was. Is like, okay, we spent way too much time on Death Watch. We need to wrap this up. And then the guy was like, well, I don't want to get rid of him quite yet. So we're just going to have him escape and blast off. You know, <laughs> but I have more I want to do with this character. If only someone told him no. Yeah, well, hopefully those uh, backup stories in Savage Dragon were worth it. <laughs> yeah right <laughs> 16 years later all right let's talk all about right. uh, what things we, we liked yeah yeah all right and i love being a turtle not a lot <laughs> so i do like at the beginning of 12 that they do address the lack of concern for dawn you know vanguard's kind of like what's up and then they kind of do say that like well you know he's already been dead uh before you know we're kind of used to it now we already kind of hurdled that emotional bridge See, i i I don't, I still don't like that. I mean, it's I it's still they, too recent. They, they at least have an explanation for it though. Yeah. You know, like something. I, I think a happy medium between like, well, this is just an annoying thing that happens to us. And we're like super terribly concerned for our brother would be like where I, I would want them to land. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, but like it, it doesn't happen that often. It's happened at least like they've only it's, like two Donatello or three times it's happened, right? Where they've died, where where Donatello has either died or been overrun by this cyborg. I mean, it's only been the one time where like where he died and then was overrun by the cyborg. Yeah, it's been a couple times. Either way, it, it, I mean, it is something that they at least address it as like this has become a common thing. We're pretty sure Don's going to be back. Like we can't get super emotional about it now because if we do, because we, we did before. <laughs> Exactly. We, that's what we did before. We might be well, wasting. I mean, like, because they never had time to be like sad about it. When I'd say they still don't, because they're looking for, yeah, Death Watch to save him. You know, to save their brother. But to help. But this somehow. is stuff we like. Sorry, this is stuff we like. Yeah, yeah. So I do like that they address the concern. Uh, and then the thing I do kind of find like at least an interesting plot point is I do kind of like the idea of the turtles hunting some sort of like serial killer. Like, I don't know, like there, there's, it's something new, at least, that we haven't gotten before. Yeah, I do like that. Like, just kind of an investigation kind of story. I do think that too much of the investigation was just delivered in word vomit all at once. Uh, and this could have been handled better, but I do like the concept of it. Well, it kind of goes into, like, this, this like, noir, um, like, tone, which, um, like, some issues of, like, Spawn did. Mm-hmm. And that really works for the turtles. Like, I, I, I think cutting down the word vomit so it's not like super like on the nose noir. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like having it, it, it's cool because the turtles, like, like you said, like it's not something we see the turtles do, do very often. Like, like this kind of detective stuff where they're not like tongue and cheekly being those 30s noir detectives you know like as if if they did a detective story in 87 like which we've already seen in the maltese turtle Mm -hmm. like 
you know, it, it's it's going to be something like that. Whereas like this is like more of a kind of a genuine like detective story. Like, hey, they're they're finding clues. They're doing this. Yeah, and I like that more. Yeah, my only note for issue twelve is I'm really happy with where this book is. I don't know what I meant when I wrote that, but <laughs> I think I meant like uh, and I've, I've talked like about in this your before, hands, like, like what? No, what no, no, like, where, like where they're at with what they're doing. Like they, we got this investigation going on in the south, and then Raph's got like his Foot Clan thing going on. I like that this book is able to kind of handle both of them. I've said this before, like all four turtles don't need to be hunting this guy down, right? Like, yeah, I think uh, Gary Carlson does a good job, like breaking off one or two, got two turtles to handle something different from the rest of the pack. And it, I am, I know, am kind like, of excited to see what happens when the turtles come home and they find out, like, Rat, hey, what have you been up to? What? Yeah, but even like it, it helps because like I don't really like the Death Watch part of it as much, but like the stuff going on with Rat and the Foot Clan in New York is like super awesome. So even if you don't like one there's the other one might appeal to you you know yeah yeah which which i kind of alluded to at the top um with the whole raft becoming the shredder thing um i really like that it it it's not like something that like makes sense it's something he accidentally did um like he was in the room he put the armor on and like we don't know like we we hear through his his inner monologue that like he's getting messed up in the head a little bit like he's enjoying all this killing and i think putting on the shredder armor is kind of visualizing even more that something's wrong with raf mm. and i really hope i'm just not reading too much into it because this is a you know late 90s image comic and i'm really kind of sad that if it's not going to pan out <laughs> but like it's it's a cool character thing that that is new and it was like I, I, like I said, I remember hearing about this like years ago, and um, it was like it's such a prominent thing. Like you usually see it like in those like list websites, you know, talking about like oh, the turtles comics were much darker than you imagined. Yeah. Shredder or Raph becomes the Shredder at one point, mm-hmm. and so like I had known this was coming uh, for years, and I was kind of expecting it. Um, and so I'm kind of I'm glad it was the issue that like that I got to read because um, it was kind of cool. Yeah, he yeah. looks awesome that armor too. He does. I do, I do wish he would. I do wish it was a better helmet. I don't like that helmet. The like, like scuba diver I, mask. It, it looks like a scuba diver mask. <laughs> yeah. Like it doesn't look super cool. And I do wish he wore a little bit more armor. Like so he wasn't like blatantly a turtle. Like. You know, like you could just see his yellow shell <laughs> underneath <laughs> underneath everything. Um, and so like if he had put on like one of the tunics or something, like that would look even cooler. Yeah. Um, but like all of the shots of him in shadow, like he just he looks like a cool squat wolverine. Mm, and I yeah. like that. And like yeah. the cover on 13, where he's like kind of in shadow with the blades all yeah, like up. that like, covers that cover is really amazing. Cool. Yes, like the cover. The cover of fourteen, where it's like him in that armor punching, punching Splinter Bat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like a good one. that looks really cool. Well, and there's the the Kevin Eastman cover. Is that the one you guys are talking about with him in the shredder armor? Because like that's probably one. No, of I'm talking about the Kevin no. Eastman. We're talking yeah, we're talking about the actual cover um, by Fosco. Oh, the is original. it A or B? The original B. one. Okay, I think I got A for that one. So I saw something else. Cover A of 13, and you're talking about cover 
what ri of 14 that one's really cool oh yeah ri the kevin eastman one yeah yeah that's that sick yeah i really really like that one as well oh yeah covers I'm now looking yeah, at the those, those are the ones we're talking about yeah so those are the original image covers and those yeah. are the covers for for these issues uh for the urban legends ones oh i'm sorry spencer i keep getting those mixed up it's the b ones that are the originals not the a yeah uh, typical keith typical keith that's why you'll never be an expert yeah it's I, called I pulling a keith <laughs> i definitely never get anything mixed up when we're when we're summarizing this stuff ever. yeah exactly <laughs> me neither yeah um but yeah, no, seeing Raph and Shredder's armor just looks super cool to me. I don't mind him not wearing more of the armor, mostly because I don't think it's supposed to fit a turtle. It's supposed to fit Shredder, and so it wouldn't really make sense for him to like put on his like yeah. jumpsuit stuff. Because I don't, I think don't think I had noticed it until you pointed it out. Because like on a, at least in my mind, I see that cover, and he's like wearing at least a gray thing over his shell. So, yeah. I don't know. Well, that's the thing is like he he is on that cover. But also, like, that could just be in shadow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, there's a lot of, like, purples and grays in there. And so, like, they could have just done that in shadow. Um, but also, like, if it was, like, just a gray tunic, like, that would look cool. Right? Yeah. Because also, because, like, he's wearing a red cape in the book, but the cover is a purple cape. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, I do like the his little line before he finds the costume when he lights the match, where it's just like, I just hope this isn't where the Foot Clan keeps their explosives. <laughs> yeah <laughs> totally looney tunes line <laughs> yeah that was that was really that was a good line yeah yeah uh i also really like the fear of the shredder you end up seeing in these issues because it kind of like builds on like his legend because we don't get that much living shredder in the original comics uh he right. you know he d- gets killed in issue one so it's really cool to see that like there was a genuine fear of shredder and like intimidation yeah. that uh is around like dudes have heard of shredder yeah and yeah. when they see him they're like genuinely terrified yeah so it's cool to see that kind of legend uh coming in right there i also um, think it's cool that like the other foot soldiers like this, seem to this, respect this the... urban legend oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> i also think it's cool the like this happened at city at war and it seemed kind of weird where like karai made a fake shredder suit to try and trick all the foot clan but like here we see again, like the Foot Clan really respects like that suit of armor, like yeah. and whoever is inside of it, which is a cool consistency. It's kind of like a cult. <laughs> which yeah, also, oh like, exactly, it's exactly a cult. Yeah, hundred percent. Like so, Shredder, or like this this armor room was like bricked off, mm-hmm. right? And he falls through a secret wall. Mm-hmm. So like, is this a secret wall that like the, the foot soldiers put up so it wouldn't be disturbed? Like what exactly? Here? Seems like it was Shredder's actual sanctum thing that he had, like his actual own little like secret lair where he forged his weapons and everything else. Is mm. kind of what it sounded like. Do you think like if you're on a patrol in the foot clan, like, hey, what's that metal clinking noise from all these walled off rooms? Oh, don't worry about that, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's really loud in there. So yeah. Sounds like sounds like the, it's really loud in there. Yeah. Do you smell uh, something smelting from inside this wall? Is that normal? <laughs> but back onto the the other side. Of, <laughs> back onto the other side of uh, the other side of the wall of issue thirteen. The other story. I do actually really like the horror factor they build up in thirteen, 
you know, it ends up being anticlimactic in the next issue, but I like the horror mm-hmm. factor and like seeing like, like they go, when they go into that diner and there's just like all the dead bodies, like being sat at tables and everything else like that, that have been sat at the tables. And it's kind of like really spooky and kind of, you know, just really eerie. And I liked how they really built on the the horror element of the story. It worked really well in 13. I think the turtles in general work really well in, in like a horror kind of setting. They do. So, like you, they yeah. can, I mean, they can go anywhere. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. Like that's, that's the magic of turtles. It's like, you can tell any kind of story because like the turtles are already so outlandish that like you have to kind of let them like, let, let the story exist around them. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll form to the story. You just yeah. have to accept that there's these weird turtles. Like if you can accept you know, nightmare beasts, you know, that kill you in your dreams, then yeah, mutant turtles kind of just fit in there too. Kind of. Yeah. So I'd, I'd really love to see the, uh, the turtles, like, you know, have a little bit more horror stories in the future. We kind of, have gotten to see a few of them uh, more recently, especially in Sophie's run. We kind of have some horror aspects building, which I yeah we have. Yeah. And I'd even, I mean, if we can get a Hellboy crossover with the turtles, Especially, if, I think that's I think that's a dream crossover like that. It is. I mean, it'll never happen, but like, man, that's a dream crossover. I know. I'll, I'll never. Like, I would. I would rather that than anything than any crossover with Marvel. Oh, same, same. I there really isn't like I just don't feel like Daredevil could like really bring anything to the turtles. So like I just because they are they both have their foot clean in just like the turtles are originally a parody of daredevil like i mm-hmm. i just don't see him bringing anything new to the turtles or the turtles bring anything new to daredevil i it you know that it reminds me of like this is the first time like this ever clicked with me i, I used to read wizard magazine mm-hmm. which for a lot of our listeners wizard wizards magazine like this is like pre-internet um was like the way you found out news for comic book stuff and like pop culture and stuff and they used to have like a price guide in the back um but one of my favorite things was um like their letters column and uh the guy in wizard i think it, it was jim mclaughlin um who i just thought was absolutely hilarious someone had wrote in one time and like named he was like i got an idea for a comic i think they should do and it's and he just named off a bunch of characters with fire powers and ice powers. And he's like, and they should call it fire and ice. And Jim responds and he's like, but what's the story? Mm-hmm. You just yeah. have a bunch of fire and ice characters. Yeah. Like you, he's like, he's like, you gotta, you gotta think about like what, what would bringing these two, like, cause these, they were like fire powers, like from DC and Marvel and then like ice powers from DC and Marvel and like mixing those characters together. And it's exactly that. Like, what would a Turtles Daredevil crossover bring? Because they're so on the same level because because Turtles is a parody of Daredevil. Yeah. And so it's like, what can you do at some point where it's like, oh, you have the hand, we have the foot. Oh, they're both ninjas. Let's just fight them. Oh, your master was stick, ours is a splinter. Like, yeah, I just granted, like, Granted, Stick was a human splinter's rat, but it, it's like, yeah. So that that's that's kind of the way it is for me. Is like I I like Daredevil a lot. Like Daredevil is my favorite Marvel character, but I just don't know 
what kind of story you could tell with it that would like not be something that would just feel like we're running over the same old stuff, you know? Yeah, like Turtles and Ghostbusters. That's a very inspired crossover. Granted, like it made sense because IDW had both licenses at the time. Mm-hmm. And so like, why not? Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it's, it's cool. Yeah, well, even with Ninja Turtles and Batman, like the Ninja Turtles were able to bring Mutagen into Batman and he was able to, you know, mutate his rogues gallery. And that was, you know, really cool and interesting. And yeah, fun. and it's like, and that that's already like a thing in Batman, kind of like you know, animal bad guys. Yeah, like Marvel. Marvel has animal bad guys, but not the same level that DC does. But at the same time, like it's not too like already been done. Is kind of yeah. what I'm saying. You know, same with like you know, uh, Batman being able to like you know, I'm actually able to have Batman retell his origin story, and me actually care. <laughs> in the batman ninja turtles book yeah. you know it's like have i heard this origin story a hundred times yeah but like it actually really works and makes sense in the story for him to be telling it to raph um and, and it hits a strong emotional beat uh you know something that i've heard a hundred times and then yeah. you know in number two you have batman bringing bane and, and venom to new york and kind of having like roided up foot soldiers and having like a new threat and stuff that's there that is also a lot of fun so yeah, it's just kind of one of those things where it's like, what, even when you have like the whole like Donatello, you know, growth kind of arc thing. And so it's kind of just a shame that they're just, I don't feel like there really is anything you could bring with Daredevil and the Turtles, you know, when you bring them together. Like, I just don't really know what, what you'd get out of it. I mean, we can't, yeah. we could have one and I definitely read it, but I just don't think that it would be anything, there'd be anything memorable about it other than you could. And say, granted, like the three of us aren't professional comic book writers so yeah no definitely. they're clearly very talented people who could put together a story but it's like what would that story be is just i wouldn't concern. yeah i wouldn't get excited about it as much as i would like the turtles crossing over with hellboy but anyway <laughs> uh issue 14 are we gonna talk about what we love there we didn't already <laughs> i mean i i was talking about 13 but 14 oh i mean i yeah i mean that's kind of everything i had for these three issues yeah oh. i just gotta reiterate how awesome rap is a shredder yeah that's it yeah yeah i i'm <laughs> i'm very eager to see where that story is gonna go mm-hmm. i love him taking over the foot it's super just like just super cool and then you have uh that splash page on three and four it's one of the moments where like the colors definitely really shined. I have, you know, it, it may have looked cool in black and white, but I think the colors really helped that picture when he's just uh, crashing into the mobsters and like shredding them. I think that's the other really, really cool thing we actually get to see in this is we get to see the shredder armor actually shred people, which is something you never see ever. That's true. <laughs> yeah. It's usually yeah, like, he, it's usually he stabs people with the, with the hand blades yeah but raf is like going to town with the arm blades yeah and you never and that you never get to looks that. like it hurts more yeah you never get to see that so it's really cool to finally see the shredder actually shred because i don't think he's even done that back in the mirage books uh yeah not to this level yeah so i liked actually getting to to see that and like see the armor have its namesake and it kind of makes me go like man if nick would let it happen Shredder would fit right into a Mortal Kombat game, and I would totally play Shredder in a Mortal right. Kombat game as a DLC. I mean, honestly, yeah, like that would be really. It fits cool. right there. Oh yeah, you're absolutely right. 
But anyway, that's what I have. That's what I love. All right. I'm enjoying this this book. I, I know I've read it before, but I, I'm enjoying it I, even more. I'm enjoying time. it more than I thought I would. Yeah. yeah. I think it gets a bad rap, but there's a lot of good stuff going on. It, like you have to take it in context of like it's an image book from the 90s. Yeah. Like you can't you can't compare it really to everything because mm-hmm. it's so it's so different. Like there are things I, I I don't like about it, and we've talked about that already. But there is good stuff in here. Yeah, well, there's definitely a lot of good concepts and good story points. You know, it's not yeah. executed in the best way, and sometimes the characterization isn't you know our favorite. But nonetheless, it's yeah. I think a better writer could definitely have made this better, or at least just a different take. I don't know if it's so much like a, a problem with the writer, so much as it's just they characterize them differently than the way we'd want them to. Better uh, editor, maybe, yeah. maybe an editor, but yeah, like mm-hmm. I, th- I think just kind of refining mm-hmm. these ideas to be a little bit yeah. stronger, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. maybe not make Leo such a jerk. Exactly. <laughs> like it would be cool to see this, this series like retold, but like animated, you know, and then like given more of those emotional beats and like given more of those, yeah, punch through story parts, you know, things like Raph becoming the Shredder being retold again and being done in a way that I mean, honestly, it's done pretty well in this book. I don't really mind it, but maybe some of the other side stuff and things. Yeah. All right. all right. So we ready for news? I think we are. So that's everything we liked about 12, 13, and 14 for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Volume 3. <clears throat> Clear the pipes out here. There you go. Keith, take us into the news. April O'Neil, Channel 9 News. Uh, Channel 6 News. So this week we have. Yeah, I missed. I missed it a little bit. Missed it. Huh? All right. He's a new father. He's got no sleep, so I'll just let him go. Sing. Just sing myself to sleep. Yeah, basically. <laughs> the only sleep you're gonna get this week, so just let him. Just let him go. All right. What news do we have this week? There's one item of toy news. Do you want to take it away, Mike? Uh, you know what? Toy news and me go hand in hand. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about our predictions for the NECA Cross Universal Monsters toy line. Um, Teenage Mutant Turtles Cross Universal Monsters. And uh, I had my predictions of Splinter as the Wolfman, Shredder as Dracula, Casey with the Elias Codius uh, likeness as Van Helsing. And I had said Donatello as the creature from the Black Lagoon. The day after we recorded that episode, uh, is that the day after the, we recorded the episode or the day the episode dropped, NECA revealed um, their Universal Monsters Invisible Man. Like not, not the Turtles version, the Universal Monsters version. And I was like, that's it right there. Because they they have a Frankenstein and, you know, we have Raph as Frankenstein's monster. They have, they have a Bride of Frankenstein. We have April as the Bride of Frankenstein. They have a mummy. We have Mikey as the mummy. The only one we don't really have, I don't, they don't have like an Igor the Hunchback figure 
in the in the Universal Monsters lines. The Leo one's kind of out there, but I was like, everything else is kind of a one to one. So I was like, okay. So I changed my answer on Twitter to Donnie as uh, the Invisible Man, and I was right. So this week we had the packaging reveal, not the figure reveal, but the packaging art reveal for Donatello as the Invisible Man. And it looks, I like the art on it. I'm liking the art on it too. I'm excited to see what this whole figure looks like. The Invisible Man is my favorite universal monster. I don't think I've said this enough, you know, (laughs) gotta say. (laughs) I, and that's the thing is like, I I have Raph as Frankenstein's monster and I haven't opened it yet because the art on these boxes really like the, the Bride of Frankenstein one's probably my favorite box art so far. But we also had the box art reveal for Mikey as the mummy. But Donatello as the Invisible Man, I think, just looks a little bit cooler. Yeah, I mean, I think I think my favorite is maybe still Mikey as the Mummy, but I don't know. It's pretty close between. I don't know. I, I've got like the three favorites. Like, I I really like Raph as Frankenstein. I like Donnie as the Invisible Man, and I really like Michelangelo as the Mummy. But I think Michelangelo as the Mummy wins because it's Michelangelo, and it also has that head that's like the homage to like the rotting, the rotting. Yeah, uh, it is. That is a cool one. Yeah. Yeah. So that one, I think, kind of makes it come out on top for me. But if I, you know, if I'm about just getting one, that might be the one I get. See, like, I got I got to go all in because it's like, it's such a cool, like, subline idea. Mm-hmm. That I like it. It just really seems cool. Yeah. No, like, this, this in, like, the closest I've been ever gotten to, like, being pulled into buying toys has been these figures and also that last Fugitoid one. You know, I'm still kind of Which- on there I'm, I'm i'm actually i'm gonna pick up another fugitoid because i got a custom custom figure idea i want to make mm. nice interesting but yeah that that fugitoid man that is that is one of my top 10 of 2022 so far hmm. all right so if that's yeah, it for news uh, no release date on that figure just yet yeah, just pa- uh, just packaging cool 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 so, Spencer, what are we doing next week? So, next week, we're going to be covering episodes 18 and 19 of season four of the 1987 cartoon. All right. So, that's Slash, the evil turtle from Dimension X, and Leonardo lightens up. Which is a bummer because I wish I was here for the Slash episode. Yeah. I think he's only in the one episode, isn't he? Is no, he, he, comes, he comes back for Night of the Rogues. Oh yeah, yeah. I love that um, episode. That's and I a think episode. another episode, but yeah, like I kind of wish I was here for his first appearance. You have to send us your thoughts. I, I you know what? I just might. Did he appear already in the Archie series? At this point, I want to say yes. Yeah, I think it would not be his has. first appearance if he did that because he it would be his first appearance in this series, but not his first ever appearance. Right, so let's see. This is September 29th, 1990. Let me check around here. I think he already had a toy because I think he was one of the like earlier toys. Yeah, Archie Slash. Let's see. His first appearance was in Search and Destroy, which was August 1991. Issue 23 of Team and T Adventures. That was 91. That was 91 for his first Archie appearance. And it's in 1990s when he first appears in the cartoon. So this would be his first ever appearance, I think, then. 
And then the toy is 1990. The toy slash is 1990. Yeah. So then there you go. So I guess he first appeared in this cartoon. And then they which is which just makes it all the more hilarious that people often forget him in this cartoon and how he is nothing like the action figure. Right. <laughs> he doesn't look anything like the action figure. And then the comic book one kind of looks like the action figure, but he's not the blue. You know, and yeah. so you have like a whole bunch of people that want him blue because they think that he's blue because that's what the color of the toy was. Anyway. It's interesting. Well, also, like in yeah. in um, the Manhattan Project, my favorite video game, uh, he's he's also that same like kind of teal. Yeah. Hmm. But then in uh, Turtles in Time, he's colored like the Archie comics. So who knows? That's true. I it's all about that. Place. Yeah. He definitely, even upon creation, was not the most uh, stable in characterization. Cool toy though. Oh, definitely. Man, that was a cool I toy. never had the toy. Oh, because his, his head rotated differently. It was yeah, like because because he, he's yeah. he's hunched forward. Yeah, yeah. He's got spikes all over. Man, yeah. that was a cool toy. But Pretty darn neat. Anyway, that I think is gonna do it for uh the Ninja Turtle Power Hour this week. Thank you guys so much for sticking with us for another episode. Keith, welcome back. Uh well, thank you. I will be gone next week. It is my birthday, so you may adulate me with birthday wishes um, at Ninja Turtle Power Hour anywhere on the internet, uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, also, uh, we are doing that giveaway for the free comic book day issue. Uh, Keith, surprise, we're doing a giveaway for the free comic book day issue. Ooh, all, you I hope I win. Is, <laughs> all you have to do is join our Discord, uh, which we will be putting a new link up for, and then I think I forgot the date that I'd said, but it's going to be after I come back to the beginning of June um, when we will decide the winner and everybody who has, who's all you have to do is just be a member of the discord. Um, And then we will pick a random winner and send that issue off to you. Yippee. And so, yeah, guys, if you enjoy the show, let us know somewhere on the internet, leave us a review. Um, Remember, you can listen to the episodes in Facebook now if you guys want to do that. Um, And we love you. Oh, yeah. So thank you again for listening. And until next time, Cowabunga Dudes. Cowabunga. Screen. No, not Master Splinter. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. That's the sound he makes. Scream.
Yes. Screaming. I did forget that, that he like is yeah, he's like slowly regaining his memories back kind of thing. Yeah. Like, it looks like that cure did to him. Uh so he's kind of like able to start remembering stuff. Oh, hang on, we got another news item, the cover art, like fully showing Nova Squadron and Cuddly and Oh yeah, Cuddly Cowlick. Cuddly. I love Cuddly. Do you wanna can we record a little bit and then stick it back in? Uh sure, yeah. Why not? All right, Keith, do you want to do that or because you know sure. about oh, Nova yeah, Squadron? Yeah, no, I, I don't really I remember the Nova Squadron just barely. Like they're just like in with three or four issues mm. and barely get anything to do, but yeah. So right. one more news item talking about Armageddon games, things that have been revealed. Do you yeah, want to so- let everyone know about it, Keith? What's up? Were you wanting to let everyone know? <laughs> we were going. The- sorry, we were going, I, we were going I, into it. We oh, okay. I'm it. sorry. Oh, uh, yeah. So uh, we got a reveal of a uh, new art for the Armageddon game. Uh, I think it's the cover of the first comic, but it's got like the Nova Squadron up top. Uh, it's got like uh, Old Hob with uh, some other guys. I gotta, I gotta look at the damn thing. Sorry. <laughs> Do you want to take this over again? Yeah. Take it away from me. So what I'm doing. All right, I'll I'll do it. I'll do it. So in late breaking news, uh, comic book resources had an exclusive reveal for uh, the upcoming IDW event comic, the Armageddon game, uh, revealing the issue one cover and also uh, the uh, black and white art for issue two, uh, both by Vincenzo Visca Federici. Um, say that three times fast uh so it it's really cool i i really like this artist and i hope he stays on more often but uh the issue one cover has some neat uh easter eggs if you are a deep cut ninja turtles fan uh you'll remember the nova squadron from the archie comic and also my boy cowley cuddly the cowlick cuddly uh Shirube is on there as well it was from the Archie uh, series too yeah Shirube uh she's the one with the dreadlocks down at the bottom right yep so you have Shirube you have Cuddly you have the Nova Squadron and it even brings back we have Null we have Baxter we have you know Leather Krang because remember he's inside a Leatherhead's buddy we learn now why they put themselves inside the stomach or chest of robots, and it's because yeah. they're parasites. That that's yep. what they that was, uh, that's, that's such cool. a cool reveal. That's cool. It is. Yeah. I actually like that idea a whole lot. It really works. I, I do too. It's, uh, I love it. But then also one of the biggest reveals is that Shredder is in the same slot as the turtles on this art. So is uh, yes, yeah, is, is he coming out of the shadows? Is he going to be part of the team now? We'll find out. Yeah, when uh, the Armageddon game drops this summer. If you remember at the end of Shredder in Hell, he splits into two different people. He splits into Oroku Saki and the name I can't remember of him in his previous life that still kind of embodies the dragon spirit uh, and is kind of that thing. And so Oroku Saki is the one that's still in love with Kitsune and is watching over the turtles. I'm kind of interested to see how that whole other like splitting of his personality works out and goes. Well, I mean, like I said, we'll find out because bringing back Dragon is the whole point of this thing. So, um, but it's kind of cool. The uh, Nova Squadron is kind of a cool deep cut. Like a lot of people know Cuddly because how could you not 
know a floating cow head that is interdimensional being. Well, you know, but, he is in every single like, bet you didn't know this about the Ninja Turtles. Art. That is yeah. also true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, true. he even showed up in Rise. Like, that's that's how much we love Cuddly. Um, but Nova Squadron's particularly cool because that is kind of Ninja Turtles Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Omega Men. I know whenever uh, I look at them, I get serious Omega Men vibes from their designs, but well, you're a DC fan, that's why. It's I, I think their name is Nova Posse. Nova Squadron is the Marvel comics. Uh, probably. Yeah. Nova Posse. Yes. There you go. That's the title. At least that's even, what they were called in the Archie comics. Even so. cooler. Yeah. <laughs> I actually do like Nova Posse a whole I, lot more than I like. Nova I, I like Nova Posse. I think they're getting called Nova Squadron in the book now. Ah. Uh, huh. Which is why I've been saying it that way. Um, but I could be wrong, and I hope I am, because Nova Posse does sound cooler. Um, but I will also add to what you said about the artist. I, I love this artist's art. I'm really excited that this is the way it's looking for this book, you know, because that cover is the interior art, because I saw the artist on Twitter say, like, cat's out of the bag. I'm doing the art on this series. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm pretty stoked. Pretty stoked. We're getting good art, good storytelling, good, good everything for a massive Ninja Turtle event. Very cool. Yeah, that was everything. Yeah, I guess we'll just uh, stop talking about it right there. <laughs> you, can just, you can just insert that wherever yeah. you can. Yeah. I'll, I'll find a way. Life finds a way. <laughs> All right. I got to go make dinner because I didn't make dinner before we recorded. So. Yeah. Well, and okay. Spencer, what do you want to do next week? Do you want to? I'll let you ask for. Are you are you really wanting slash? Yeah, I'll take it. All right, I'll give you slash, and then I'll take the other one. All right, you guys take care. Take care, man. I will see you on the other side. Happy birthday! Yeah, happy birthday! I mean, my birthday's not until the 29th, but but happy birthday nonetheless. You know, (laughs) yeah, we'll we'll get. I'll I'll get there eventually. Yeah. yeah. All right, you guys. All right, take care, guys. Bye, guys. Bye.